Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up your Turn volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la mauvaise! Et ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. Stanley pour les Canadiens. Le fac troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. An arrow, the sick podcast on this Monday night. It is November, whatever it is. I think it's the uh, sixth, I believe. And uh, welcome, welcome to the sick podcast. And once again, you can watch us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and live on Twitter. And, of course, thank you very much for doing so. Once again, the show is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, brought to you in part by Playground, and brought to you in part by Labitta TV, and we're going to get to that a little bit later. But I want to get to, uh, you know, all the big stuff. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Sean Simpson. Of course, Sean, uh, you'll know him, has uh, extensive experience in the world of hockey as, uh, as uh, you know, a former National Hockey League executive, as a former player, as a former sports radio host, he and I worked for the same company for a very, very long time. The only difference being is I was working in Montreal covering the Canadians, and he was working in Ottawa covering the Ottawa Senators. And he and I uh, were talking over the last little while, and uh, he was on a podcast talking Senators. And I said, Sean, I, I still can see that fire in you, right? And he says, yeah, Tony, that fire is still there, and this is what I wanted. This is what I do best, and this is what I want to do. Talk about the Ottawa Senators. And he says, I still see you have that fire to talk about the Montreal Canadiens. I said, I do. And he says, how do you like what you're doing? I said, I absolutely love it. And I said, Sean, before you ask me any other questions, you have to get on the sick media network. You have to get on the sick network. You have to do a sick podcast and you have to cover the Ottawa Senators. So I set up the Zoom call. And next thing you know, here we are. And a couple of days ago, he announced uh simmer down is the name of the show and it's a six senators podcast and of course it's the same concept you can catch it on youtube and you can follow it and you can subscribe for free with the only difference being is that i go live and we go live on weeknights at 10 p.m and he goes live weekdays at noon which i think is an absolutely fantastic thing by the way because if you would know 
um, the station that Sean used to work for. Sean was working midday between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And what the company did was they took away the midday slot. So they kept the morning show. They kept the afternoon drive show. And they got rid of the entire midday slot between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So there was a big void there. And so now he's going on at noon and he's talking Ottawa Senators hockey. He's a big voice in that market. He's a big voice for that fan base. He is very, very connected to the club. And so you're really, really going to absolutely love it. And I don't know how many podcasts the SIT Network is on right now uh, exactly, but I I do know that by the end of the week, it's going to be 20. So it's probably 18 or 19 or whatever it is right now, but it'll be 20 by the end of the week. So, you know, it all started when Sammy gave me a call and Aniello gave me a call probably about three and a half years ago. And uh, they talked to me about what they wanted to do. They wanted to have a sick podcast and they wanted to go with their network across North America. I'm still waiting for shares on that. You know, I'm happy to say I own two podcasts out of 20, 20 out of 20 would be nicer. But anyway, it's another story for another day. Uh, I love them. How can I get mad? Uh, It's a beautiful story because it was about three and a half years ago. They said, this is what we want to do. And it all started up with the first one here in Montreal. And now three and a half years later, once again, by the end of the week, we're looking at 20 podcasts in North America. Some are hockey. The one in Montreal is. The one in Ottawa is. The one in Toronto is. Uh, there's one in Detroit. And then there's a couple of soccer ones. I host the soccer one in Montreal, covering CF Montreal. And, uh, and of course, we have, uh, we have one in New York City covering New York City FC. And then we have a bunch of football ones in Chicago, in Pittsburgh, in Tennessee, uh, Las Vegas, Arizona. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, New York, we have a bunch of them. And so we're going to have 20 by the end of the week. So the Sick Podcast Network is growing. It's expanding. And uh, stay tuned because it looks like there's going to be an announcement on an NHL one where instead of focusing on one particular team, it's going to focus on the entire National Hockey League. And uh, that one looks like pretty much it's a done deal. And it's going to feature some pretty big names in the hockey world that are going to be behind it. So you're absolutely going to love it. Speaking of big names, not too many bigger covering the Montreal Canadiens over the last I don't know how many years. Then Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. What's going on? What's up, Tony? Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Besides some real some hate that I took. It's it's been a while since I took some hate. Last time I took some, I think I was hosting a sports radio show. And after I started, uh, you know, I stopped that and I started doing this. The hate subsided. I wasn't facing any all that much hate or criticism. The odd one here and there, but I. Uh, I went on the uh, I went on BPM Sports Radio on uh, Friday afternoon with George Larac and Stefan Gonzalez. As you know, I'm a regular collaborator weekdays uh, around 12:40 p.m. and I gave my opinion and I said, you know, I know it's still a long ways from now, but I'm willing to say that I think that Logan Cooley is the better, the more skilled hockey player of the two between him and Slavkowski. And I'm willing to say that I think he's going to be the one who's going to have the better career. Now, I've always prefaced it by saying 
that if Slavkovsky wins a Stanley Cup with the Montreal Canadiens and the Montreal Canadiens were a winner, if Slavkovsky can help them win a Stanley Cup. Um, it's just an opinion. I mean, everyone has one. But I've been accused of being a hater, hating on the kid. You're a hater. Why do you, why do you listen to this stuff? Who cares? So many people love I love you. Emily loves you. Everybody loves you. Who cares? I'm really happy about the fact that Emily loves me, by the way. It's reciprocal. You let her know that. No, it's just that. And I'm going to tell you what. Um, I have an opinion, by the way, to share after you. After you and, and, I, and I do want to hear your opinion. But this is what I want to say, okay? Um. If I think Cooley's a better hockey player than Slavkovsky, and he's going to be, does that mean that I hate Slavkovsky? I mean, obviously not. I mean, he's an extremely likable kid. I haven't spent a lot of time with him. I did spend some time with him on a, a day that he was available here in Montreal for interviews prior to the draft. We hit it off. I think the kid's got a contagious smile. I think he's got a fantastic personality. If Slavkovsky succeeds in Montreal, you know, that means there's going to be some great days, months, years ahead of him playing for the Canadians, which could also mean a chance at the Stanley Cup. If the Canadians have winning teams, let alone winning the Stanley Cup, but if they have winning teams, it's better for Eric Engels at Sportsnet. It's better for everyone at RDS. It's better for everyone at TVA. It's better for everyone at TSN Television and TSN Radio. It's better for the Sick Podcast because this whole notion that people watch more when a team loses, uh, you know what? Maybe people might watch if the team goes through a losing streak for two or three days or four days to see me go nuts. But long-term, people like to cover winning teams because when a team doesn't win, they check out. When a team wins, that means they play longer. Their regular season extends past April, and then they start playing the playoffs from mid-April on. And the longer they go, they can play into May, and they can play into June, and they could possibly win the Stanley Cup by the middle of June. We all want to see the Canadians do well. We all want to see Slavkovsky do well. But, folks, you have to understand, I'm not a Montreal Canadiens employee, so I'm not going to agree with every pick they're going to make. I'm not going to agree with every decision they're going to make. Having said that, I think I've made it clear that I love the direction this team is going. I love that they've gone with Jeff Gordon. I love what they've gone with Kent Hughes. I love what they've gone with Marty St. Louis. Do I have a doubt somewhere? I think the jury is out on Nick Bobrov. That's for me personally. Given his track record over the years, Boston and New York and Montreal, I'm not sold yet, but I do see some of the pluses. So if I say I think one pick's going to be better than another, it's more so a Bobrov thing than it is about that particular player. But well, anyway, Bobrov, he he's a co-director of amateur scouting with Marty Lapointe. I think he's probably more influential when it comes to the Europeans. Why? Because Why? they're Europeans, and he supposedly is more plugged into that market than he would be into North American market. His know. tentacles go there a little bit more. Listen, I don't think it's an outlandish statement to suggest that you think that Logan Cooley is going to be a better player than Slavkovsky. I think there's nuance there. I think, you know, if you believe that Logan Cooley is going to be a bigger point producer over the length of their careers between him and Slavkovsky, I don't think that's an unreasonable assumption. Whether or not he ends up being a more impactful player or a more complete player than Slavkovsky, we'll find out in 15 years because I think both of them will still be playing in the league by the time we get there. Um 
you can have your doubts about Nick Bobrov or Marty LaPlante or Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon in terms of the way they view the draft strategy. I think it's admirable to leave it to the guys who do the scouting. Um, but I know they obviously have a lot of influence on the decisions that get made and they will challenge everything to make sure that they end up with the right decision. I know that when you go back to 2022 in the draft and this all important decision that the Canadians were making, nobody wanted to get it right more than those guys. I mean, the first overall pick for the first time since Doug Wickenheiser, they knew the level of scrutiny they'd be facing. And I think they made a, a bold choice because they believe so much in the player and they believe in their own development system and they believe in their head coach, which is a big part of the reason why Slavkovsky has spent as much time in the NHL so far as he has. Yeah. I'm going to make a statement right now and I don't know if people will agree with it. And I wonder what people will think of that in the hockey world. And uh, people may have noticed that while you were delivering your opinion, which I was listening to very carefully, I was also multitasking and looking through my phone. I think the best player in the 2022 draft was chosen 62nd overall. Do you know his name? Lane Hudson. I think that has a chance of becoming the truth when we look five, six, seven, eight years down the line. And, and, there's a and, lot if, of and if that's the case, and if that's the know. case, start making the statue of Bob Rob right now and put it right next to the rocket and uh, and Guy Lafleur and Jean Beliveau. I mean, I think Nemich is going to be a pretty good player. There's some good players that went in the first round. I think Owen Beck was a steal in the first pick of the second round, and he's going to have a pretty successful NHL career. I really believe that. David Dorchek's a good one, too. Yeah, he's very good, and he's on his way to being great. And I I don't – if I were making the opinion today in – uh, November of 2023 is actually my dad's birthday, November 6th. And you were to say, who do you think will be the best player in this draft? Happy it's birthday, the guy, dad. The guy who was chosen 62nd overall, Lane Hudson. Wow. I'm going to go with Logan Cooley, but I'm going to say this, all right? And I'm going to be too completely transparent. I didn't know much about the draft going in. I heard the hype of Shane Wright going all the way until, let's just say, the month of December, and then I started to hear the hype on Slavkowski starting in January. I spoke with a couple of people that were in the know, and I know that Graham McCagg was very much, you know, on the Slavkowski train. As a matter of fact, I made a couple of dollars predicting one, two, three, and four in the draft, not because I knew who they were, uh, but because that was kind of like a consensus that I was hearing, and it's kind of what made sense considering what the teams needed, considering the players they already had in their organization. So I'm not about to sit here and tell you right now that Logan Cooley would have been my first pick overall. And I want to be completely, once again, honest with everyone watching, is that we all, members of the media, um, we all try to do our homework leading up to the draft about these kids as much as we can. But anyone who covers the National Hockey League as much as Eric does, all 81 games of the Montreal Canadiens, they play 82. Uh, 82 yeah. games, pardon me. 41 at home, 41 on the road. I don't know why I said 81. All 82 and and the preseason and all that stuff, home and away. Eric cannot possibly go to junior games on his time off because he's got very little time off, okay? Um, you know, for me, who has to host a podcast at 10 p.m. live, Monday to Thursday, there's not too many junior games I'm going to be able to go to, and maybe I might be able to go to a couple of Fridays here and there. We don't know much about the kids. What we know is we watch the World Juniors. We talk to a couple of people in the know. We try and formulate an opinion that way. 
but I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I, I knew much about Logan Cooley or Logan Cooley would have been my pick. He wouldn't have been my pick, but that's not my job to know, right? The scouts that are there, that's their job to get it right. And so, you know, I formulate an opinion that I, you know, I think that Cooley's the best player right now and he's going to be the best player. I got destroyed like, oh, you're, you're, you're shitting on a 19-year-old kid. This is no shitting on a 19 year old kid. I want the I want the kid to do really well. I know, but Ublisa. Like honestly, it doesn't matter. You're you're never yeah. you're never gonna, it's never gonna be unanimous with people and you're gonna share your opinions. And one of the things I like about you, Tony, is you're willing to make strong opinions, and that's what this is all about. And it's based on whatever information you have and however informed you can make your opinion. And I'm gonna tell you right now, when it comes to the draft, I have to go based on mm-hmm what I hear from people who I trust. Because if you think I'm going to formulate strong opinions based on YouTube samples and a two-week tournament that's played in the middle of the year, you're nuts. Uh, it's just, I'm, I'm yeah. the biggest, it's my pet peeve in hockey and Twitter and all that stuff. The way people talk about the draft, the day it happens, the lead up to the draft, how crazy a team would be to pass on a player. It, and with respect to Grant and other people who have made a living uh, on the media side of breaking down the prospects. And I think mm-hmm. they, they do a, a phenomenal job, but that pales in comparison to what the amateur scouts go through to actually get this work done. We're not talking about watching them in their draft year. They are doing analysis based on a 10-year body of work, basically, or an eight-year body of work as those players rise through the ranks, tracking how they improve at every level, speaking to people connected in a web of connection all the way across family, friends, coaches, and trainers, and all kinds of people that even the people who do such a respectable job of breaking this stuff down for the public digest, they cannot possibly come close to having the level of information and detailed analysis that the people and, and still, and still it is an inexact science. Yes. Teams get it wrong. And I would suggest that every single team gets it wrong in at least one round of the draft that they are preparing for. Even if they are the best at drafting historically and on the record uh, year over year, like it is just that much of a crapshoot. I've yeah. been told by people who I have connections with that I would make an excellent pro scout, and I respect that so much. It means a lot to me based on the people who I talk to. I would never in a million years want to be an amateur scout at the NHL level, and the me level either. of goes into that and the amount of work you need to do to maybe get it right. Like, yeah. it is an impossible job. And I, I'm, for- I, again, Tony, I have so much respect for the people who dedicate. Yeah their media careers to trying to put this into language that the general public can understand. But for, I just want to say the fans out there who consume that information, you don't have the full picture in everything that you think, you know, even if you read it more than anything else that you read in the world, there is so much you don't know, not the least of which, is the interviews that happen with these players right before the draft and the psychological assessments and all those things. And the I think that's the hardest part, by the way. Everyone everyone can tell what a good hockey player is or, or isn't, 
But at the end of the day, you can have all that information available to you of how the player plays, what's his skating like, what's his stick handling like, what's his shot like, whether or not he's got an ability to play in traffic, uh, whether or not he makes players around him better, his strengths on the ice and his weaknesses. You can talk to all his coaches. You can talk to everyone who coached against them. You can talk to his line mates. But knowing a player's true character and what a player is made of and what they do when they're not on the ice and for the other 20 hours in a day type of thing, I, I think that's the toughest part because, you know, a big part of what the player is going to end up being at the end of their career is going to be about the amount of character that they have. So anyway, you're and right. There's a, and there's another variable in here and a yeah. really critical one. Tell me. Because of 10 years or 12 years or 17 years of fans shitting on Trevor Timmons in Montreal. Yeah. They were piss poor at developing their players. I mean, yeah, if true. you want to look at I the think, biggest... I think they had a bigger development problem than they had a drafting problem. That's with not even, there. It's not even debatable when you look back at how the Canadians were developing players, at least, you know, over the term of Mark Bergevin's reign as GM. Um, just, you know, you can draft good players, but putting them in a system where they're not appropriately handled in terms of development. And I understand that there's a major referendum on whether or not the Canadians are doing right by their most important pick uh, yeah. from a development standpoint in the last, you know, 20 years or whatever it is. Like, oh my God! Uh, I like Cat like, Nicholas a lot, by the way. I've never—I only met him once. There's I nothing. Listen, the Canadians have gone from a development model standpoint. They have gone from they were, and I wrote very extensive pieces about this when I sat down with Jeff Gordon over each of the last two years to talk about how far they had to come, and yeah. then in the second follow-up piece, how far they did come. They've gone from horse and trolley to driving the car and back to the future uh in terms of they they were so far behind and now they yeah. have actually set a standard that other teams should aspire to in terms of what they're doing from a development standpoint and if you want some evidence of that go take a look at some of the videos of skill work that some teams are doing in the nhl where they're putting tires on the ice and having defensemen move around them and shoot like the Canadians are all about game simulation with Adam Nicholas and game like situations um, and training hockey sense and, and throwing things at them from a skill perspective that is practical and something that you might actually use versus some of the things yeah. that are way behind. And, and if you go before that time when Adam, before Adam Nicholas and Scott Power yeah. and the staff was uh, expanded significantly, um, the Canadians didn't even have a skills coach, but there's a big difference between having a skills coach and throwing uh, tires and pylons at players while they dodge them and shoot pucks. Yeah. Uh, then there is doing this, the work that like Adam and Scott do on a regular basis and the rest yeah. of the development staff and the people that the voices like Vinny LeCavalier and Marie-Philippe Poulain that these players have to lean on. It's uh it is the incredible, the most incredible advancement the Canadians have made under Jeff Gordon so far, and it's expanding yeah. and moving further. And the harmony with yeah. uh, analytics and how far behind they were, and bringing in Chris Boucher, who's a pioneer in that department, and the people that are added to his staff, and that staff will continue mm -hmm. to expand as well. Mm -hmm. It's the harmony of that with development and hockey ops and. That's where the Canadians are are progressing forward. I know there's a bit of a tangent, but 
you no, talked no, about okay. draft and getting and getting draft picks right and wrong and this and yeah. that. And honestly, it doesn't matter much if what you're doing in development is a disaster. So yeah. I wouldn't want the amateur scouting job either, by the way, Eric, because uh, it requires a lot of travel by car halfway uh, around the country and uh, through North. And, and then, of course, so many air miles uh, to go to Europe and Scandinavia and, talk- and stuff like that. And I don't like traveling alone, especially and- in a car for four or five or six hours where I have no one to talk to. Jeez. And you want to talk about a thankless job like yeah, you don't get the credit. You get the blame when it doesn't work out, and you end up in a situation where you've done a good enough job where inevitably your team falls into contention like the Canadians hope to be, and first-round picks are flying out the door, second-round picks are flying out the door every year, and your work becomes uh, even more of an exact science to find a guy like Lane Hudson at 62nd overall. And when the player uh, ends up becoming a good player, a lot of people end up giving credit to the general manager and not to you, right? Or, or when you pick the wrong player and the GM intervened and picked a guy because he saw him for two weeks at the world junior championships and thought, well, this guy's a good fit. Or in another year, Louis LeBlanc ends up on the Montreal Canadians with no disrespect to Louis, who I think could have been a good player, but it wasn't fair to him to go 18th overall or a guy like David Fisher ends up on the Canadians and uh, yeah I'm just saying there's some guys who the amateur scouting guy will get blamed but the GM intervened and decided this is who we're gonna get Michael McCarron uh you know like there's there's examples yeah yeah in Louis case maybe even the team president at the time who knows all depending on you know who you ask and, and and who you talk to uh but anyway okay we went through that and uh so you know Folks, uh, I, I love it that, you know, you are diehard Montreal Canadiens fans, but it's not because someone thinks that another player is going to have a better career. Like, like I had Jordan Schmaltz on the podcast on Friday. I, Friday night, I thought I had, it was a really, really strong podcast because we had Andre Tourigny that joined us for a good 40 minutes or so. Isn't he and, awesome, uh, by the way? He's uh, so Tourigny, good. I, you know, I, I just, I hope he coaches the Canadians one day because, uh, um, I know he's going to be great for members of the media, great for the fan base. He'll be in Arizona for a while, and I don't think yeah. there'll be a guy to replace here for too long either. That'll yeah, be, yeah, a long time I, I, before, unless Marty Sandler decides he doesn't want to coach. Uh, I asked him if people recognized him. I asked him if people recognized him in Arizona. He said no, but anyway, he was a very, very, very giving with his time. Uh, a good 40, 45 minutes, he joined me, and then Jordan Schmal- uh, Schmaltz joined me after, whose whose brother. Nick Schmaltz obviously plays for the Arizona Coyotes, and he's a former NHLer, but he had a chance to play versus uh, Slavkovsky in Finland. Hmm. And he came on, and his opinion was Slavkovsky was a real physical specimen in Finland, and every time we played them, we played them five or six times during the year and in the playoffs, every time I saw him, he got better. But a year and a half later or a couple of years later, I don't think he's grown to the point where I've seen huge improvement. That was his take, right? Oh my God, I got obliterated for putting the guy on the podcast and stuff like that. It's as if, you know, it's, you know, not everyone's going to, the beauty of sports is that we all have different opinions. Sometimes we're going to agree. Sometimes we're going to disagree. Sometimes someone's going to have the same opinion. Sometimes someone like Jordan Schmaltz is going to have a different opinion. But it doesn't mean that because somebody has a difference of opinion that they're dumb, they're stupid, or they're clowns. I know, and but that's the world. Mean, 
that's the yeah. world we're living in now, unfortunately. And uh, yeah. social media has exacerbated. It. And you know what? It's kind of social media is a microcosm of society in that uh, the people who yell the loudest get heard, but that rarely makes them the smartest people in the room. And the ones who usually are the smartest people in the room are the ones who sit back and listen. Um, that's just kind of one of the big problems that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And that certainly extends outside of sports as we're seeing on a daily basis. So it used to be a really lovely distraction from my day. And right now I couldn't want to do less with what I see on social media. It's become something that I want to be distracted from. I, I look forward to work uh, more than I do picking up my phone and seeing what I'm seeing in certain areas. It's just, it's a gross it's a gross thing uh, and it's upsetting and disheartening uh, on a personal level with certain things that are going on in the world. But, you know, from a sports perspective, um, yeah, I think people take things out of context immediately. Uh, they insert their opinion. I'll give you an example. I was as answering questions on my way out to Vegas uh, on Twitter and somebody asked me if I thought the Canadians would trade Josh Anderson and Brendan Gallagher at some point this season. And I replied, no, I don't think so. Um, but I think the New Jersey Devils could use one or two players that are like Josh Anderson. And I got all kinds of replies saying, we don't need Josh Anderson. We don't need it from New Jersey Devils fans. We don't need I never said that they should go get Josh Anderson. My belief on the New Jersey Devils is they might be one of the top three most skilled and fastest teams in the NHL. They play at great speed. Uh, they look like one of the best teams in the NHL. And I don't see them going anywhere in the playoffs, uh, at least not deep, if they don't get some size and grit and the physicality and, and guys who fit with the speed as well that can help them in those situations. You look at the Rangers blue line, it's going to be a hard team to play against for a team like New Jersey. I think that's the one thing that's missing. It's just a little bit of beef, uh, but not just beef for, for the sake of beef, but beef that fits with the speed. And that's why I said a player like Josh Anderson, but people don't read carefully and they don't look at what you're saying. They immediately jump down your throat. So that's why I say you should ignore that shit, Tony, because you know what? Everybody loves you, man, outside of a couple of people who just want to yell really loud. Are you still there? Or are we blocked? I oh. am. It's just that you said the smartest people are the ones who sit back and listen. So I was just... <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, I wanted to see uh, your Ice Lovkowski play on a line with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I would have loved for it to happen before the Arizona game. Uh, I thought it would have been great if he could have had a good game versus Logan Cooley since all eyes are were on Slavkowski and Cooley. It didn't happen. Uh, we know that Slavkowski stayed on a line with Newhook and Anderson in that Arizona game. Logan Cooley ended up getting an assist on the eventual game-winning goal. Having said that, it happened on Saturday night. Your Ice Lovkowski played on a line with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. So better slaff than never, they say. Uh, and so it happened. And he ends up scoring on the power play. But on the second wave of the power play, picks up a pass from Alex Newhook. It was a given goal that they did. And then uh, Brendan Gallagher went to the net. So look, I think Uri Slavkowski had what? His best or second best game of the season on Saturday night versus the Blues, right? Because he had a heck of a game, I think, opening night in Toronto. Uh, so your thoughts on when you heard Slavkowski was playing first line 
with Suzuki and Caulfield on Saturday night. What was your level of surprise or not? Wasn't surprised. Was talking about it right before the warm up, as we were all anticipating the warm up. And I said, I think they should put Slaff on that line. It's kind of the perfect time to do it. Um, there was a couple of guys who I was sitting at a table with who agreed. Uh, we all thought it was more likely it would be New Hook, but lo and behold, it was Slaff. I thought he was Montreal's best player in the game, uh, outside of maybe Gallagher. Um. And my initial thoughts were probably a little different than some people who were digesting that news um, because I think everybody... I thought, he, I thought he was better than Gallagher on Saturday night. Uh, Gallagher yeah. was good. He scored a big goal. Yeah. I think he finished minus three of them. Not yeah, they got, they got scored on a, a few times and kind yeah. of one bad line change that put them on the ice for a goal, But and which is exactly why you got to watch, watch what you interpret from plus minus. But yes. I thought, my initial thoughts, you said, what were your initial thoughts? And I think everybody was centered on Slavkovsky. What I was thinking about was this might be something that's good for Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Um, I think having a big body, a left-handed shot to clear out some space, uh, a guy that is going to have to put himself at the front of the net could open up space in different areas where those two guys like to create. And I think the more we see it, especially with a home ice advantage uh, for at least, uh, is it three of four games this week, um, if he's able to remain on that line, uh, yeah, we could see some benefits from it, not just for Slavkovsky himself, because the obvious thing is this was a good shot in the arm of confidence. You know, Marty always says the players themselves are responsible for their own confidence, but it's not as if he can't boost it a little bit. And telling the kid in the morning, where he didn't tell everybody else where they were playing in the lineup, but going up to him and saying, hey, you're playing with Cole and Nick tonight, that was a shot in the arm right away. And his very first shift of the game, he looked like he needed that little booster. And uh, good for him for taking advantage of it. But really, I don't think anybody else, or at least not the majority of people, were thinking that, okay, this could be something that's really good for Cole and Nick. And I think it's something that could be good for Cole and Nick. All right. Pretty cool. Uh, speaking of Suzuki, we got a little something that we're probably going to show you a little bit later on. We're with you until about 11 o'clock. Of course, the sick podcast weeknights at 10 p.m. So Slavkowski makes it on the first line. They go on the power play and uh, some pretty good hands in close. And he's able to put it right under the arm and it goes upstairs. So pretty good for him. He scores his first goal of the season. I agree with you, Eric. I, I think I like their numbers in terms of shot attempts uh, compared to, you know, the uh, opposing lines they were going up against, possession of the puck. I also like the fact that he played 18-plus minutes in that hockey game. That was good. Earlier today, um, after practice, Marty St. Louis was asked by, I believe, Martin Maguire of 98.5 FM. I believe it was him who asked about you know, Marte said something to the effect of, I had a talk with Arbor Jackye, and Jackye and Slavkowski are pretty close, and Jackye was telling me about, you know, Slavkowski really feels the pressure of being that number one pick overall, and he wants to do well. Marty, what do you think of, you know, him having to deal with that pressure of being number one? Let's hear from Marty St. Louis. Ways? Quand tu t'en vas quelque part, es-tu lu Stu Ways? Yeah. Fait que tu mets ton adresse. T'sais, mettons, tu vas aller à une belle place. Là, là. Tu mets ton adresse dedans. Elle te dit combien de temps que ça va te prendre, combien de mille. 
OK. Puis là, mais là, tu pognes du trafic. Qu'est-ce qui arrive à, au temps? Est-ce qu'il monte ou il descend? OK. Est-ce que tu tournes de bord ou tu continues? Tu continues. Puis si tu manques une sortie, tu es en maudit, puis tu retournes chez vous ou tu as ferry routé, puis tu, tu arrives pareil à destination? Non, c'est une question pareille, là. Tu moi, moi, je vis ma vie de même. Puis euh, c'est ça qu'on fait avec Slav. Slav, il, il s'en va d'une belle destination. On ne sait pas exactement combien de temps ça va prendre. Puis des fois, il y a du trafic, puis il ne faut pas qu'il se fâche. Pas qu'ils se découragent. Des fois, on va manquer une sortie, mais on va, on, on va se replacer. T'sais, on n'a pas toutes les réponses quand il va être exactement où c'est qu'il va être, mais je sais qu'il s'en va d'une belle place. C'est dur pour le jeune d'être dans le trafic des fois, puis manquer une sortie, puis écouter tout le monde qui parle de tout ça, là, du trafic qui a, qu a pogné, puis euh, des sorties qui a manqué. C'est pas facile pour un homme de 19 ans, fait on essaie de l'aider avec ça. All right, translation. I'm hope I can get it all right, but I Eric. Well, I have it. Yeah. You could read it out. I posted. Oh yeah, it on yeah. Twitter. Okay, yeah. Okay, you have you have it there with you. Or? I posted it on Twitter uh, today. It yeah, certainly was pretty well consumed. Um, yeah, I'll read it out to you right now. Yeah. Uh, here it is. I think I. I would say it. yes. It's not easy for a 19 year old to avoid hearing that and to not be exposed to that with all the media there is in Montreal. Sometimes it's not fair. But for me, with Slav, you guys use Waze when you're going somewhere. You use Waze. You put in your address, and let's say you're going to a nice place, and you put your address in it. Tells you how much time it'll take, how many miles, and then you get into traffic. What happens with your arrival time? Does it drop or go up? Do you turn around or keep going? You keep going. If you miss an exit. Do you get frustrated and turn around and go home? Or do you go get rerouted and still end up at the destination? It's a serious question. I live my life the same way, and that's what we're doing with Slav. Slav is headed to a nice destination. We don't know exactly how long it'll take him to arrive, and sometimes there's traffic, and he can't get angry about it and can't get discouraged about it. Sometimes you miss the exit, but you have to find your way back. We don't have the answers. We don't have all the answers of when he'll exactly be where he's headed, but I know he's going to a good place. So it's hard for a young guy to be in traffic sometimes and miss the exit, but everyone hits traffic and misses exits. It's not easy for a 19-year-old, but we're trying to help him with that. All right. Fantastic analogy. There's only one catch, I think, though, is that so you're, you're taking ways. You're going to a beautiful destination, and sometimes there's traffic, and it sets you back, right? So you, instead of arriving half an hour later, you might arrive 42 minutes later because – There's 12 minutes of traffic or, you know, car stalls. There's an accident, whatever. And it sets you back a little bit. But you still keep on going to destination. I got all of that. Fantastic. But then he says, sometimes you end up missing your exit. So when you miss your exit, you end up getting rerouted. And eventually, you'll still be able to get the destination. But if you're missing your exit, it's because you weren't paying attention to where you were supposed to go. And your attention to the detail was a little bit off because you got distracted. You might have ADD if that's the case. <laughs> Just... Wow, you you want the hate? It's coming, by, by the way. By, by the way, I miss my exits all the time, <laughs> and I use Waze all the time. Hey, eh? I use Waze all the time. 
I hear they have a big budget for influencers, uh, Eric. So join me in saying that we both absolutely love Waze. We think did you, did you see that. that they replied right away to I this tweet? I saw that they replied to your email, to, to your tweet. Yeah, I, when you posted it, I saw it there. I thought that was pretty funny, by the way, that they replied. You know, you know what I like about Marty is that yeah. he uses the analogy to explain it. He could have very easily just said, we all face adversity in life. He's a 19-year-old, and it won't be the yeah. first time he faces adversity, and it won't be the first time that he gets frustrated facing adversity, and that's a normal thing, and we have to help him through that. I don't think it goes anywhere. Um, when you hear him talk this way, I see a lot of people who responded to the tweet, and most of them, and they, they weren't yelling to do it. I think they actually read it and absorbed it and thought about it and replied. They loved it. You know, They loved Marty St. Louis. The, the expression of love for Marty St. Louis. You know what I thought about hearing it? If this guy can break it down for the average fan that yells at his TV or at his computer screen or at Tony Marinaro after he expresses an opinion, think about how he communicates it to the players themselves. And this is why when you sit there and say, Ooh, are the Canadians doing right by Uri Slavkovsky? And I don't know the answer. I don't know that it's necessarily the right answer. Yeah. That he belongs in the NHL and should stay there. But if you can't seem to figure out one of the biggest reasons he's there, it's because of the guy who's holding the keys to the car. Uh, Marty St. Louis and his communication ability and his ability to help a young player navigate a difficult situation. Because even if Uri Slavkovsky had come into the league last year, put up a really good season, come into this season, built on it immediately, started putting up big numbers. That pressure that he faces on a daily basis, that pressure that Nick Bobrov talks about that he had faced for five years as, yeah. as, as Slovakia's next great hope in yeah. the hockey world. Um, With five million watching, yeah. It is still something that requires some hand-holding and navigation. And uh, the guy who is doing that, uh, with no disrespect to J.F. Fool or anybody else who would be coaching in the American Hockey League, they have a hard time competing with Marty St. Louis. And that clip and listening to him say those words and the way he expresses it is a real inside look at how he communicates with his players and the reason yeah. why he is the right person for the job that he has right now. It, look, I love the analogy, okay? But if I can, I, I want to kind of make, just to play devil's advocate for a second here, make kind of like a, so the analogy is great, okay? But I think Canadians fans understand what Marty's trying to say, right? So Slav is driving and he's using ways and he's going to a really nice destination and he doesn't know how long it's going to take him there or which way he's going to take to get there, but eventually he's going to end up getting there. Having said that, though, what Canadians fans are hoping is they're hoping that Slavkovsky is going to get there and he's going to drive beautifully. And he's going to be able to get there driving better, faster, safer, and accident-free more so than any you understand what i'm trying to say yeah like, does anybody take that route like okay let's forget about hockey let's forget about hockey players uh remind me tony from LaSalle. when tony from LaSalle became tony marinaro on the air yeah what age, what age were you um uh, 
So Tony from LaSalle started talk, calling sports radio probably when he was 13 years old. And Tony from LaSalle ended up on the radio working for a radio station for the very first time at the age of 29. And you hit it pretty good right away, if I remember. Not, not really. I think I probably came into my own at around 34. It probably took about five years or so, but yeah. Yeah, in your own evaluation. But at the time when you started, people were listening. People were catching on. The product was growing. And you were probably saying to yourself, this, this, is, going, this is what I should be doing. The station was one year old, right? So we were kind of like an expansion team type of thing. So we're one year in, so you can afford to give an opportunity to to, to free agents. But you were doing all right. Trying to build something, right? You were doing all right, but you definitely weren't doing perfectly. And you definitely weren't driving the car like Mario Andretti. So, and by the time you got to that five year maturation point or whatever it was, you had built a persona, a character, uh, something that. You know, Tony, I don't want to say this just to blow smoke or anything like this because I've always believed this about you and your place in this market. You, you. Are, you are quintessential Montreal. I think the biggest success of your career is your connection to Montreal and the people who are Montreal, the accent that you hear in Montreal, the, peop- the way people speak in Montreal, uh, the dialect, the character, the energy I think that's been your your greatest success and the reason why you're still doing this in whatever format it's got to. I, and I, I think it took you five years to develop that and really bite into that and realize that that is your, that is your success, that everything else that comes with it is on top and it's a cherry. And for me, if I look at my own course, I, I didn't exactly start in the most plush uh, way here. I, I worked my way into the press box from lowly blogger. Uh, I came in quite brash and with a chip on my shoulder, hoping to prove to everybody that I belong there because I knew in my brain and in my heart that I did, mm-hmm. even though most people would have looked at me and said, what the hell is this guy doing here? And I wish. Believing in per- yourself is step one, because if it you're not going to believe in yourself, you can't expect anyone else to believe in you. It was important, but those were also important development years. And I think it would have developed faster if I had shut my mouth a little bit more and listened a little bit more and been a little bit more present instead of consumed by the idea that people didn't think that I belonged there. It still motivated me to do very well and find a way and get to where I am now, which I think is a good place. And I'm proud of the work I do. Of course. We all if you really want to think about a player in their development, uh, you you have to lead with empathy, put yourself in their shoes, and think about it from your own perspective too in your own development. The road is never beautifully paved, and you are never going to avoid all the potholes. Like David Goggins, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if people who watch your podcast like David Goggins, I'm sure they get pushed some of his stuff on social media. His talk about the importance of failure, uh, mm-hmm. of not being afraid of failure, but embracing it, of how yep. much further it takes you towards success, um, of how critical it is. And if he even breaks it down in terms of training, get muscle, putting on muscle and pushing yourself to the point of failure, which is how your muscles grow. Uh, This is what it is. This is a part of it. And what Marty's talking about today, you can get wrapped up in the content of the analogy and this and that. But what you should really be thinking about is this is a guy 
to shepherd a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old or a 23-year-old or whatever it is through those pies. He's the guy who will plug the tire when it pops. He's the guy who will you know, be your CAA agent and come uh, when you call because you locked your keys out of the car, whatever it is. And and I think that's what I took from him saying what he said. I didn't get wrapped up in the content of the actual yeah. speech itself because, like I said, he could have very just simply said, eh, you know, it's a uh, it's a tricky thing developing. It takes time. I, I love the analogy. It's I a great. It was a, I thought it was a great analogy. Where but it says more about him as a communicator than it is what yeah. he actually said. Yeah, Monsieur and Madame Tolmond could understand it great. It's just that, you know, he was drafted first overall. And, and you know, Canadians fans are hoping that this guy is going to end up being like a Mercedes driver one day and, you know, not. You know, I think the last guy who was drafted first overall that absolutely crushed it out of the gate, like, I don't know. Was McDavid drafted before Matthews or Matthews before McDavid? Like those are two examples. McDavid was before Matthews. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, those are two examples of guys who immediately fulfilled status upon stepping into the league. They're freaks. And that's why we overuse generational talent. We may even be overusing it in Connor Bedard's case. Like I think he's going to be an incredible player and I'm not taking anything away from him. And honestly, if he ends up with 40 goals and 80 points this year, I don't think anybody myself included is going to be surprised but like yeah how many guys don't hit bumps in the road on the way and how many of the last yeah four four or five that were taken first overall have hit it out of the park in their first two seasons in the league like almost yeah mcdavid was 2015 and matthews was 2016 the next guy who's gonna hit it on the park is gonna be uh, connor bedard of course maybe yeah maybe what's this what's the rate so far what has he done Uh, so He's got five goals. I know that. So he's got a goal pretty much uh, every other game. Connor Bedard so far, which is I not mean, bad. He's got a he's got five goals in eleven games. He's got seven points in eleven games. So he's on pace for what? Uh, he's on pace for a fifty-five point season or something. Uh, but uh, listen, I think- I, is that is that is, <laughs> again? There's going to be some bumps along the road if that's what it ends up being. Yeah, because I think we all had higher expectations than that, and that's that's part it's, of it's the, a fi- it's a fifty two point season. But I'm still going to predict that's, that he's going to hit. Uh, there's people who would have thought he'd score fifty two goals this year. Yeah, no, I points. So I was, I'm just I'm just saying. Was like, one of those. It, it, Matthews McDavid. That's that's like rarefied air, honestly, for a first yeah. overall coming in now and and it's just it's it's the hardest league in the world like i i I, and i understand slavkovsky is further away from where you'd want him to be as a first overall pick um and i think there is validity on all sides of the debate here there is validity in the debate of maybe they've rushed him maybe he should be in the hl maybe you should have spent time there by now maybe he should be there soon there's validity in all of it you can make very sound arguments to that effect I don't know what the right answer is, but we're yeah. going to find out over time. Let's talk about Josh Anderson now because Slavkowski was on a line with Anderson and Newhook that went nowhere, unfortunately, and they were on that line together for what it was at about seven or eight games. I, I saw this on the rds.ca website, so I'll give them credit because I'm one of those that likes to give credit when he sees information. So uh, this is courtesy, uh, that's courtesy of Sportlogic. Uh, so here we go. Um, percentage of goals expected 
uh, at even strength with Anderson and without Anderson. So Newhook with Anderson, uh, 27.3% uh, percentage of goals expected. Without Anderson, 47%. Slavkowski with Anderson, uh, 33.5%. Without him, 53.6%. Suzuki with Anderson, 28.9%. Without him, 51.2%. Caulfield without, uh, with Anderson, 37.7%. Without him, 54.2%. And Sean Monaghan, uh, playing with Anderson, 28.3%. Without him, 42.6%. Those are huge numbers which show um, anywhere between, what is it, uh, 14 to 20 Three percent, anywhere between fourteen and twenty-three percent of improvement in goals expected at even strength without Anderson. Clearly, these are stats that show you that Josh Anderson has been struggling. Yeah, that's one conclusion that's easy to draw, and I don't think you need to look at the numbers to see that. Um, and it's to me more of valuable than it uh variable than it is what you need to interpret from those numbers so i say it's a variable in that his confidence is down and he's struggling okay mm -hmm. what they tell me though and i think the dangerous conclusion to draw is someone who looks at that and says he's not a good player that's not to me what those numbers say he was amazing in preseason what those numbers he was what those not and he was confident and the confidence is fleeting and i think i've said this before on your show and i'll say it again i'm sure many times it takes time to strip away and it takes time to build back up um what those numbers really say to me is josh anderson is, is it's hard for him to fit within the concepts and structure that Marty St. Louis wants the Canadians to play with. I think we've known that for a long time, and I think those numbers are highly reflective of that with the variable included that we're looking at them at a time where his, co his confidence is particularly low and he's struggling on the ice. Uh, he was asked today by Marc-Antoine Godin of Radio Canada, who mm -hmm. does an amazing, amazing job. Yeah. Uh, how do you teach? He said, you know, you, you always say that there's players who play chess and players who play checkers. And sometimes you need players who play chess to play checkers and ch players who play checkers to play chess. How do you teach the ones who play you? We, I think we can agree that you're a coach that really coaches the ones who play chess, but how do you get more? How do you get a player who plays checkers to play chess? And I'll tell you a funny anecdote after this. Um, I can tell you right now that I have no he, idea how to play chess, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> None. And he, he said, uh, you, you need aggressive patience, that kind of moniker that he's had since the beginning of the year. So he's saying, you know, it's, it is something that you work on a lot, but you need to be patient with. But he also said that sometimes you need to be able to play checkers. And I think right now, for Josh Anderson's confidence, 
even if it doesn't improve those numbers or doesn't change the fact that it's a tough fit for him with what the concepts are on this team, because so much of his offense and his ability is generated in terms of his own rush opportunities. And he creates a lot himself, but not within the structure of the group right now. He should put chess aside and really work on playing checkers and and just doing what he does when he gets into open space i don't want to see him stick handle and look for a better option i want to see him shoot the puck and follow it up and go to the net um i i just think that is going to lead to a goal it Uh could lead to some in bunches it could increase the confidence and then those other things that he wants to incorporate that marty st louis has been working on with him to incorporate will come to play because he'll have some variety within his game to get there. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, after all this talk about chess and checkers, as Marty was walking off the podium, I turned to him and said, what about snakes and ladders? And he said, well, I thought we were at the uh, top of the ladder. We climbed the ladder against Vegas last week, and then we hit the snake in the next two games. So it was pretty funny. But That's, uh, pretty, good. That's pretty good. Look, I don't I, – I, I just don't think that people should look at this and say, Josh Anderson is not good. Like, Josh Anderson can be a very good player. No, no, he, he's good, but he, he, he can he be is, a lot better. But whether is, or not he he's is. a fit, whether or not he's a fit with this and what they're trying to do here is really questionable right now. And those numbers speak to that. And I think he needs to not go on his own page or anything, but I think he needs to be able to play his own game a little bit more before he starts focusing on, before he gets back to focusing on these things. I I, I, I got an opinion on this one. Marty St. Louis is trying to put together a team of players that have, that think the game at an elite level and have elite level hockey IQ. That is something that you can work on. That's something that you can develop. And they're trying to do it with Slavkowski and a lot of young players on this team. Anderson is not as young as the core on this team that is 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, a lot of those players. He's 20, was he in 29? And 28. Or he could be 28, okay? And the hockey IQ is not his strength. And they're trying to teach him it, but it might be too late or he might not ever be able to catch up. And long story short, what I'm trying to say is if they want everyone to be on the same page in that respect, 29, by the way, he doesn't have that. And so now I understand what you're saying. Well, he might as well just play his own game and, and just do what he does best. And he might have to, because I don't think it's, I think it's going to be very, very tough to have 18 hockey players play the same way. It's I, I don't know if that goes through every team. Realistic. Like every single team is going to have one or two guys who get a little lost with the style of play. Like now, is he beyond being able to get better at it? No, I don't. I don't believe in that. And and if you want an example, like Brendan Gallagher's right there for you. Like. Brendan Gallagher has had to change his game significantly since Marty St. Louis came in. And now there is a really feeling feeling that Gallagher gives you everything he has in the tank night in and night out. And Josh has not 
Oh, I don't think that's true. I, I think that. Josh is trying extremely hard. I think you don't think he struggles with consistency. No, I think he has trouble right now with confidence. I also think there is a misnomer about about players of Josh's style that people think they can maintain that over an 82 game season and the best ones who play that style of game have a B game that can come through when the legs aren't there to be able to do, you know, what it takes. So it's I I don't know. I I just think Josh can be better within the concepts of the team, but he can be better at playing his own game too. And that's got to happen before the other thing happens. Okay. Let's do this very quickly. A little bit of rapid fire here because we're already an hour into the I love show. rapid fire. Okay. Michael Matheson, in your opinion, something wrong. Yes or no. I think he's still hurt. I think Michael Matheson is a dangerous player, like really dangerous player when he moves his feet. And I think he can be dangerous when he doesn't. Got it. Uh, Justin Barron, I know uh, Marty St. Louis talked about him being more, much more consistent this year, and he's had to work on that defensive game, but that was the game he struggled uh, the most this season, last game in St. Louis. Minus two for him. Did you find? Uh, no. No, I no. don't agree. I, I think Jonathan Kovacevic and Mike Matheson, and mostly Mike Matheson, had a, had a tough game. I expect Matheson to bounce back. He's too good of a player not to. He has to simplify his game. No question. Kovacevic got dragged into that a little bit. He has to ensure that his confidence remains high because he's played good hockey. And as far as Justin Barron's concerned, I think there's a lot more to like about his game than there is things to pick apart at this point, and uh, especially on the power play where he's getting a look now, and, and that's right in his wheelhouse. I would actually, and with no disrespect to Matheson, like to see Barron get some looks on the first unit. I'd like to see a righty making that pass over to Caulfield, change the angles a little bit in terms of the deception that you can pull off from there. Okay, let's bring up the Habs schedule now between now and uh, for the rest of November. Tomorrow night, of course, they go up against my son Anthony's favorite hockey team in the world. I don't know if I should say that, but they are. He is a big fan of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Has been for, I don't know, last, uh, I don't know, seven or eight years or so. Uh, he's a he's a huge Nikita Kucherov fan, by the way. Uh, so anyway, yeah, they go up against them tomorrow night. Then they're in Detroit on Thursday night. They host the Boston Bruins and the Vancouver Canucks Saturday and Sunday. So anyway, you see it here. Then they host Calgary. They host Vegas. They go to Boston the week after. Uh, they're at Anaheim uh, that Thanksgiving week in the United States. They're at Anaheim on a Wednesday, an afternoon game on Friday. They're in San Jose afternoon on uh, Saturday. They're in Los Angeles. And then a couple of days later, they're going to be in Columbus and come back the next night to host the Florida Panthers. I don't like they usually say that by the end of American Thanksgiving, where you are gives you a pretty good indication of where you're going to end up finishing and what kind of team you are. That didn't hold true for the uh, the St. Louis Blues, by the way, who I think were last in the league on January 3rd, and they ended up winning the Cup that year that they won the Cup several years ago. But tomorrow night, just uh, your thoughts versus Tampa Bay and what you uh, you know what you expect. I think Montreal will be up for the game. Whether or not they win it is is questionable. But, you know, man, a 6-5 up and down emotional kind of game. Tampa's going to be pretty pissed off that they lost to Toronto in a game they were up 4-1. But this is the third time the Canadians in the last week are playing against a team that is on the second half of back-to-back while they've been resting. Um, They have to be able to take advantage of that if they're going to continue to take steps forward in their development as a team. Um, You look at this week in general. Yeah, it's a pretty tough week. Some really good teams, but I think they get up to play those teams, and I think they should be expecting of themselves that they'll at least be 500 by the end of it. 
I think that should be their expectation. I think that should be the minimum they set it at. They'll go game by game, day by day, all that stuff. Things need to happen, and they need to play vastly different than they did against uh, Arizona and St. Louis because yeah. those were two unacceptable games after the one they played in Vegas. Slavkovsky with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield tomorrow night again? Yes. Yeah. We'll uh, talk to you again in a couple of days, Eric, or maybe even next week, but uh, time flies when you're having fun. Thanks for doing this, my man. We'll talk to you soon. Pleasure. All right. There's Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Speaking about having fun, I can tell you now because we made it official, but a couple of weeks ago I was on the set, so we got a phone call, and, uh, and we were asked if we were interested, of course, and I was asked if I was interested in hosting a uh, cooking show uh, and we'd be talking a little bit about hockey and anyway it's called cooking with legend legend dans la cuisine and of course um, you know cooking with legends uh, brought to you by hellman's and quebec's leading mayonnaise hellman's real mayonnaise so i don't know if you had a chance to see this on uh, social media on twitter or on instagram but what i posted a couple of days ago i think i posted it on friday night at around uh, 7 p.m. or so Eastern. I will show it to you right now. Here from the Sick Podcast, I make my living talking hockey, and I'm thrilled to share some exciting news. Hellman's and the Bleu Blanc Rouge have joined forces to introduce an exclusive video series called Cooking with Legends, Legends dans la cuisine, and I will be your host. Don't miss the first episode on November 9, where I will hang out in the kitchen with a guy who makes his living playing hockey. I'm talking about the one and only Nick Suzuki. This number one center fuels his meals with the number one condiment on the shelves, in your pantry, and in your fridge, Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. This mini-series is dedicated to celebrating the secret sauce behind your favorite team's success, while also bringing legendary flavor to your game night recipes using Quebec's leading mayonnaise, Hellman's. All right. So there you have it on episode number one. I was cooking with Nick Suzuki and spent quite a bit of time with Nick and uh, we had a lot of fun together. So I enjoyed myself and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. So we'll let you know uh, when and where uh, once it well, when is going to be on November 9th. And uh, we'll give you the details leading up to it as to where and where you can catch it and all that stuff. But uh, I think you're going to enjoy it all right so uh once again on that note that's it i think we uh, we covered what we had to cover and the montreal canadians host the tampa bay lightning tomorrow night once again with Yuri Slavkovsky on the number one line with suzuki and caulfield then you know when you're driving you're going to get to a real nice destination sometimes there's a little bit of traffic and sometimes you miss your exit but you end up getting there eventually we don't know how much time it's going to take says marty st louis but he's going to get there eventually, and when he does, it's going to be a real nice destination. So on that note, let's look forward to tomorrow night. There's a lot to build on for Uri Slavkowski because he had his best game or second best game of the season on Saturday night for the Canadians in St. Louis. Of course, the Canadians had a tough week last week with losses in Vegas, losses in Arizona, and losses in St. Louis. They look to bounce back tomorrow night versus, once again, the Tampa Bay Lightning. And what's going to be awesome about the game is going to be after the game. I'm going to be back here once again, same time, same place, to bring you the Sick Podcast. I want to thank our partners, of course. These guys here, brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TB, embrace your true nature. 
I was at, by the way, the IGA Extra on Boulevard Arthur Sauvé in Saint Eustache on Saturday, and there was a little bit of beer sampling and beer tasting going on. And many, many people I had a chance to say hello to, talk hockey with, take a couple of pictures with, and left the store with their case of La Bit at TB. Also brought to you in part by Playground, over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and Playground casino games, daily promotions, and unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Bird Sea Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. By the way, Agnello and Sammy are probably going to kill me that I'm saying this, but I'm just, I'm one of those people that I hate withholding information. So you remember that all summer I was saying, we're going to get together, we're going to get together, we're going to get together, we're going to get together. And some of you got back. Why didn't we get together? Well, because we were going to get together at Playground Poker. But Playground has been going through an expansion. And so we wanted to do this when you know we could give you the best version of playground poker at its best and when it was ready to accommodate and we we you know, we wanted to do something really nice so the date is fast approaching and i can tell you right now with pretty much some certainty that at some point in the month of december and it's going to be before christmas that we're going to have a get together all of us all of you watching on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter, all of you fans of the Sick Podcast, we're going to get together at Playground. And we're going to have a really, really fun time. We have something in store for you that is going to be pretty cool. And we're quite certain that you're going to love it. And we're already counting the days and Yellow and I are. And Sammy, you're going to absolutely love it. And I can't wait to meet all of you. I can't. Uh, it's going to be pretty sick, to tell you the truth. And, of course, brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Energy Transportation Group, Mike Cinquino, Sean Gerard, David Grassi, Playground, my buddy Danny with the yellow tie. Say hi to Ryan as well, as well as everyone else that's there. And, of course, La Bitta TB, Aldo Geloso, my buddy Ted, and all of their staff. Thank you, everyone, for your support. The Sick Podcast, we absolutely love what we're doing. We're talking Montreal Canadiens hockey weeknights at 10 p.m. Eastern for Agnello and Sammy and Juliana at Master Control. They're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. LaBee.tv. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.